right, good morning everybody and good morning to those that are coming on this uh, broadcast and viewing this from the comfort of your home and all that or wherever you might be. Uh, we just want to thank you for uh, joining us. We are still in the book of Matthew, going through chronologically, just taking our time going through looking at the things that the Lord Jesus said, the things that he did. We are up to, I believe it's the th uh, Thursday we call Thursday, uh, the day before the crucifixion, and he's uh, still got a lot of things to say. And what we see here in uh, Matthew 23, he's finishing up his talk in the temple. He would um, soon would leave the temple, and there'd be a, uh, up into uh, the Mount of Olives, and there'd be that whole Mount of Olives discourse we'll look at in the next section. But here he's finishing this up, and he's finishing up talking to the uh, Pharisees and scribes and those that were against him and such. Um, he's ending that. He's not going to talk to them again, not going to teach them or such. He's admonishing them. He's telling them off. He's uh, going up one side and down the other, basically just telling them what is what. If you were to back up a bit and see how the Lord was dealing with them earlier on, we read our Bibles, we don't get the idea of the tone, but I don't think the Lord uh, spoke in an angry tone, maybe sometimes. Maybe later on when he called them uh, serpents or something, I, I don't think he was yelling or anything like that. But when he spoke, it was with an authority, and the people listened, and he would tell them off and such. But he's going to um, uh, give them a dressing down about their selves, uh, what's in their hearts, and their practices and such. And uh, I wonder at this, and, and just in my mind, I think, okay, um, it's time now. He's going to the cross. And these are some of the very ones that are going to stir the multitudes of people to yell out, crucify him, crucify him. They're going to be so filled with rage and hatred for the Lord Jesus. And then uh, uh, the end of this day, um, Judas goes and betrays him and they come and arrest the Lord Jesus and you know the rest of the story, okay? I believe he's... Uh, not necessarily using this to set that up, but this certainly would stir them up to that, okay? But you'll notice as he talks to them, he did not fear them. He just wanted to speak the truth, for the Bible says that the truth shall make you free, shall set you free, and the truth must come out and be, come out forward and just matter-of-factly. And so we see that. So let's have a look at that, and we are, we went about halfway through there was eight different woes, and remember the word woe um, has the idea that it's a, a, the sad state that the individual's in and the foolish things they're doing, and that that's this thing overflows to other people. And it's just a, a, a terrible, terrible uh, situation there. But he calls them woes, and he calls, or pronounces woes upon them, or points out the woe of the life of, the, of them and such. And the fact they use the word hypocrites uh, many, many times. And we, we, we looked at the definition of that word hypocrite. So actually, that was the uh, word that was used for those that were in plays and stuff, play actors, because uh, they're pretending to play a role. But not only that, but they had uh, means and methods of projecting their voices and such. So it's someone speaking very, very loud, but play acting at what they're doing. Now you have to get, keep in mind that these individuals, Pharisees and scribes and all the rest of them, um, labeled themselves as the guardians of God's holiness and God's ways and God's words and everything else. And to be told that they are hypocrites must have really, really uh, uh, bothered them, 
and, and it should, uh, but it, not in a good way. But anyways, so we see this, uh, we can look at all the words and such and, and that he said to them, it's quite interesting. But let's, let's carry on, we're up to verse 23, and we'll look and he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. Now we know what, uh, you know what mint is. Have you ever found mint growing wild and, and tasted it? It's quite interesting. Uh, anise is a, like a, a dill for pres preserving and the cumin is a, 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 like a seasoning sort of thing. But it's what he's pointing out, these small little things. He said, and they paid tithe on that stuff. And they would take that a little bit. Remember the priests uh, lived off the offerings of the people too, eh? So if they gave these things as tithes, it wasn't necessarily always money. It was maybe a, maybe a, a pinch of this and that and, and uh, for the temple and the, and the uh, uh, priests and such there. But these smaller things, and he says, but you've omitted the weightier uh, things of the law. The weightier things. He says, you have these real little things that you pay attention to, and they did that. They did that with uh, what I call the picket fence of laws and rules they put up around God's word. Uh, things that God never said to do, but they were, they were trying to protect the word of God by setting up a bunch of rules round about. And sometimes you see that in some particular churches round about. They have all kinds of rules and such. And you know what, you know what happens when you have all that kind of thing set up? Grace goes out the door and leaves. Mm -hmm. Okay? Because it's not about grace anymore, it's about rules. You've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to, you got to behave, you've got to do this, this. And there's no grace there in that. And grace is very important, isn't it? And he says, uh, you've uh, omitted the weightier matters of the law. And he mentions three things, judgment, mercy, and faith. Judgment, righteous judgment, and mercy. You know what mercy is? It means you're not getting something that you deserve. Like... Uh, when we do something wrong, we don't get uh, the punishment or whatever for it. Okay? We don't get to grace is a, a, kind of the opposite of that. It's getting what you don't deserve. We don't deserve God's grace, but we get that. <clears throat> and mercy, we don't get the, the punishment that is due to us from being uh, those rebels against God and so on and so forth. When you know Christ, that is. Uh, he says, you've, you've omitted the weighter matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Faith in the Lord. Now, their faith wasn't in the Lord, was it? Okay? Their faith was in themselves and their religion, so to speak. Okay? These ought you to have done and not to leave the other undone. Okay? Don't leave off the little things, but tend to the, the big things. Don't... Uh, um, uh, they, they ignored, remember they, we talked last week about how they ignored the widows? That's pretty big. That's mercy, eh? They ignored that and, and, and appropriated the, uh, their homes and such. And uh, In 24, ye blind guides. Now they were to guide the people to God. And every pulpit in the land, every church in the land is supposed to be guiding the people to God through Jesus Christ. And they're not. And it seems to be, now I haven't talked to everybody and looked at every church in the country, but you know yourself that the majority don't seem to do that. They're blind guides. They're blind guides. If, if you're in a church and they're not teaching you from the scriptures and they're not teaching you Christ crucified and risen from the dead for your sins and he's the way to, only way to heaven, you get yourself out of there. 
because that's it's just it's blindness it's blindness he says you blind guides now that was one of the things that they were most proud of that they were the ones leading the people and everything and here comes the Lord Jesus and people are flocking to him and it was for envy and Pilate knew that that for envy they turned on him mm -hmm. okay you blind guides which strain a gnat and swallow a camel now it's, it's a ridiculous thing but what they're doing is ridiculous it was absolutely ridiculous what they were doing and again if, uh, churches today if they do that kind of thing uh, it's just ridiculous it got it all backwards and upside down it's got nothing to do with anything uh, a ridiculous notion here but it shows the extreme fanaticism and error that they had and the Lord Jesus and you picture him you picture when you read your Bible picture yourself standing there being in, uh, just observing there's the Lord Jesus and he's telling these people and they're just chomping at the bit they're grinding their teeth angry there's nothing they can do. They don't walk away. They don't say a word. God is speaking. God is speaking. Uh, we go down to verse 25. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. So that little uh, bit from verse 23 and 24 is like a section. He's talking about the little things they do, and he uses uh, the illustration of straining a gnat for something very tiny and swallowing a camel just to illustrate how they were leaving off the weightier matters and so on and so forth, back and forth. And now he goes into uh, a, another kind of a picture for them. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. I remember, um, how many have seen that um, video of that thing we used to have? What was it called? A Man Called Norman. Remember that? Should look at that and dig it out sometime. And the fellow went to witness to this guy, and uh, he found that uh, the fellow Norman was talking. Uh, he was praying, I guess, or something, praying to the Lord, talking about uh, reading the Bible and that, and uh, about cleaning the windows. He says it won't do if we just clean the outside of the window. We have to clean the inside as well. That's basically what the Lord's saying here, and that's for us too. You see, religion, what it does, he's showing these guys, he's telling them off, but there's the they have this wonderful opportunity right there to see that they're, what they're doing is false. And religion and such is an outward show. You know, and they said, look at me, look at me. It's just an outward show when you see it, but inside, what good would it do if these windows weren't washed on both sides? It would be a mess. You still, can't, you still can't see out. It's just no good. It's no good to just do the outside. The inside's got to be uh, uh, clean. For the individual, you, people want to we have a thing within us that wants to do something towards favor with God and we want to do this and this there's so many uh, works uh, um, works things out there they just simply want to do something well that's just outward show you get to be cleaned on the inside right within deep within in your spirit and your soul how's that happen when you trust in Jesus Christ trust in him and in the person of Christ, as God manifests in the flesh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, you'll be washed in the blood of the Lamb. And then the Holy Spirit can come in. That's pretty clean, eh? Washed in the blood of the Lamb. Washed so clean that the Holy God of Heaven can come and live right inside there. Ah, the windows have been cleaned on the inside real good by God, not by your works. <clears throat> you clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, 
You ever go to the cupboard and take out a cup or something and, oh, oh I miss that. <laughs> you know? How about you go into a restaurant and you go sit down and they bring you a plate and food on it. Just, there's old things stuck to it. But yeah, you get, ugh, that's disgusting. And the cup, ugh, that's disgusting, ugh. Imagine what God says. He says, yuck. Don't bring me that religion. You've got to get cleaned on the inside. Amen. First and foremost. He says you're full of extortion. Extortion. What's that? You know, the, uh, extortion, roughly a definition there is, give me money or I'm going to hurt you. That's what they did to the widows. That, that, remember we talked about the, uh, the, uh, the meaning of the word. And it was that they would appropriate. They uh, devoured to appropriate their... Do you think they threatened the widows? Would they do that? Would they be that low that they would threaten? That's what extortion is. If you don't do this, we're going to cause, you're going to have harm come to you. They're full of extortion and excess. Religion on the outside, nothing on the inside. Windows are dirty on the inside. And excess. The Bible has a lot to say about uh, um, the opposite to excess. He says, Thou blind Pharisee. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, um, where is it? What chapter is that? I think it's chapter 4, maybe. Is it? Where it says that the uh, God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the, uh, uh, the light of the gospel of Christ should shine unto them, they should be saved. I forget exactly how it goes. But the devil blinds the minds of individuals. They were blinded. They were the ones that thought they could see. Eh? You love that uh, song, Amazing Grace. Once I was blind, but now I see. That man that wrote that uh, um, uh, terrible, terrible man before he was saved. Uh, he got saved, he wrote that, that wonderful hymn, Once I was blind, but now I see. And he's, he's telling them, you're blind. And the people that uh, are going through religious ceremonies and such, and all kinds of things, and adding this and this and this to salvation and such, it's just a bunch of blindness. It's Jesus Christ only, isn't it? Amen. It is. It's Jesus Christ and Him only. Okay? And then you will see. He says, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. Could you imagine? Over and over, woe unto you, hypocrites. For you are like unto whited sepulchres. A sepulchre is simply a tomb, and they would have... Uh, um, maybe a, a tomb built and uh, the poor people would have the tombs in the rocks and stuff like that. And these ones, they have uh, these whited sepulchers and they're all fancied up on the outside, maybe with flowers and stuff. And it looks, looks as good as a tomb could look, I guess. Eh? And the Lord says, but you are with, within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. <clears throat> now these are pretty vivid pictures and they're not hard to understand. He's not saying things that's difficult for them to grasp. He's saying this is the truth of it. And he told them off earlier and says you can, you can discern the face of the sky and, and forecast the weather and such, but you can't uh, tell what the times are. The time meaning that who, who stood before them was God manifest in the flesh, and they couldn't tell. Well, they didn't want to. That was one of the big problems. They didn't want to. They didn't want to humble themselves. They didn't want to do that. Remember when John the Baptist was uh, baptizing people with the baptism of repentance? It says that all, all of Judea and all around about came out to him. 
except the scribes and the Pharisees and those guys stood at the banks and just watched, watched. And they didn't want to partake. Okay. Even so, verse 28, even so ye also outwardly appear, outwardly appear righteous unto men. Unto men. People can't tell the difference sometimes. And it applies to us today, to anybody today. We can put on a good show, but God knows what's in there. We know what God knows. And everything we do, everything we do should be, <coughs> how does God see me in this? How does God see this? Does this bring honor to God? He says, them that honor me, I will honor. Does this bring honor to God? He says, they appear righteous unto men. They wear their big robes and stuff and their fancy hats and things. What's inside is what matters, eh? Amen. Remember the Pharisee who was in the temple one time and he said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other men like this. What would he call him? The other guy? Not like this fellow here. I, I do this and I do this and I do this. And the other guy smote upon his chest and would not so much as look up to heaven but said, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Jesus asked the question, which one went down to his house justified? It wasn't the Pharisee. He says, um, <clears throat> you appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of, full, full of hypocrisy and iniquity. They were just taken over. That iniquity has the idea of wickedness. There's a difference between uh, iniquity, sin, and transgressions. We talked about that earlier. Iniquity, the wickedness. Verse 29, woe, <coughs> excuse me, woe unto you. And scribes and <clears throat> Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous. You build the tombs of the prophets. And he's going to bring up a, a, some historic facts here to them um, and speak against them. They did these things that people would see, oh, look, how they're doing this wonderful thing. He says, but you guys are uh, uh, aligned with those that did it. You say you are the... This is your 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 uh, uh, your uh, witness. This is your um, generation. Let's just read the Bible here. So it says, verse twenty-nine: Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous, and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. And yet, these are the ones they're going to stone the Son of God. They're going to stone God manifest in the flesh. And when we come to that, and what they do, don't forget, I always mention this, don't forget, go and read Acts chapter 4, verses 26 to 28. How is God's plan? Okay, But he's going to use them for that. They're saying if we had been there in those days, we wouldn't have let them kill that, those prophets and so on and so forth. A bunch of hypocrites and liars, they're plotting to kill Jesus at the same time they said that. Okay. <clears throat> Verse 31, Wherefore ye are witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up the measure of your fathers. The measure. And that measure just simply means that uh, uh, a measuring cup or something like that. But we have, uh, in our language today, we talk about things, well that doesn't measure up. Or that measures up. How does that measure up? I think it's from the Bible here. How do we measure up? How do what we do and how, how we speak and our attitudes and how we treat others and such, how does that measure up? He says, fill up then the measure of your fathers. They were 
There are murderers and killers. He says, they're just the same. Now we get down to verse 33. It's ending. He's going to end this from verse 33 to 36. Come to the end of this telling them off stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. But we're going to take a rabbit trail right here in verse 33 and look at a, a topic and, and touch on that um, just very briefly, I suppose. We'll see how it goes. In verse 33, he says, Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. Well, that's, that's telling them off pretty good, eh? That's telling them off pretty good. Now, what's it, what's it to do with the viper and the serpents and that? Probably a reference to the, um, well, first thing that comes to my mind is uh, uh, poisonous ones, eh? Uh, what comes out from them is something that will harm you very much. Okay? So what came out of them will harm the people very much. And what comes out of the mouth and the pulpits around the land, they're not preaching Jesus Christ, they're preaching some other nonsense, is what it is. It's harming the people. That's how he started out. He says, you shut up the kingdom of heaven and you don't enter in yourself. You shut it up to other people that they can't enter in. A lot of false teachers and preachers today. A lot of false ones. They're not following the scripture. They're not following the scripture. Then they're false. Read over in uh, 2 Peter, I think it's chapter 2, and he's saying that there were false prophets. There shall be false teachers. There are a lot of that. A lot of that today. Let's look at this verse 33 and I want to pull one thing out here and have a look at it. Ye serpents and generation of vipers, how can ye, listen to this, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? He asked him a question. How are you going to escape the damnation of hell? Now we want to look at that. We want to look at hell for a little bit here. Not a really nice topic, but it, it has to be, it has to come out. In John chapter 16, uh, uh, the Bible tells us that when the Spirit of God came, that He would uh, um, He would teach uh, um, of of uh, sin and of righteousness and judgment to come. And when we have our gospel message go out, we talk, talk to the people about sin and righteousness of Jesus Christ. We sometimes forget the judgment to come. The Spirit of God wants people to hear about what's in store for the unsaved. Uh, after they die, and that's hell, okay? That's the judgment. We want to look at this. Now, when we look at these words here, damnation of hell, um, when we look at um, how are you going to escape this, when we look at hell itself, we have today, we use that word hell, and there are in the Bible, there's three separate places, three distinct and separate places with different term, different names. But the word hell, as we use it today, is kind of over, over all of them and kind of refer to, refers to any one of them. But to be more specific, we look up the words and such. Uh, when the Lord Jesus said, how can you escape the damnation of hell? He's literally, he's talking about the judgment of Gehenna. Now, let's just talk about that for a minute. So we have hell is a term for all those things. But if we look at those as individual things, uh, Gehenna is what in the Bible calls the lake of fire. It's the final place. Okay? It's the final place. When a person dies, they don't go to Gehenna just right off, do they? Um, the Bible says in Matthew 25, 41, that it's a place that God had made for the devil and his angels because the devil and his angels are rebelling against God in heaven. And we don't know when that took place or whatever, and, but there's a place there. And then we have the terrible thing that happened in the Garden of Eden whereby Adam and Eve 
did not listen to and heed God's words, they listened to the devil's words and God had to correct them, tell them off, and a curse fell upon every one of them. And subsequently upon every person because we have the sins of Adam imputed unto us, unto our accounts. Nobody escapes it. When you're born, you are born a rebel against God. You have the sins of Adam placed upon you. There's nothing you can do about it. That's what it is. Every person's the exact same. It's as if our nature inside is the nature of the devil itself. That's what it says. Okay? Something's got to be done about this. And God says, yes, my son Jesus Christ is going to go to the cross and pay the, the payment for your sins. I will purchase you. I will pay for you for all what you've done. Jesus died on that cross and rose from the dead on the third day. And God says, if you will just simply believe, put your trust in, put your faith in Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. He already has paid the price for you to deliver you from your sins, from the devil's hell. Okay? See, I don't believe in that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. How many times have you told somebody to go there? <laughs> huh? Sure you believe it. People do that all the time. Tell people to go there. Where'd that come from? The devil puts those thoughts in your heads. The devil makes people use Jesus Christ's name as the absolute worst cuss word there is, as an absolute uh, expression of disgust to use Jesus Christ's name for that. Anyways, let's get back to this. So Gehenna is a place as the lake of fire is the final state. Okay, Matthew 25, 41, for the devil and his angels. And every unsaved person on this, on this planet, you and I, before we were saved, were on that road too, okay? The broad way to destruction, all right? And it's where all the unsaved will go because you've been following and you have upon you the, uh, uh, the uh, 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 sins of Adam imputed unto your, your account. And we are sinners ourselves, and you know it. You know it, and you know it, and everybody knows that we are sinners. What we think, what we do, how we act, how we treat people, all those things, our attitude towards God, you know you're a sinner. We know that. And you're on your way to that place where the devil's going to go. That's Gehenna. Now, the other one is we call hell. When somebody dies today unsaved, they go straight to hell. You say, well, how come? Well, I like simple things in my mind. I think it's kind of like, well, people only look at the body, don't they? They see the body. They don't see and understand that there's a soul and a spirit to the individual that will live on forever. This body will die. If you die unsaved, if you have not accepted Christ, your sins have not then been forgiven, you're going you're gonna to take your sins with you to the grave to, and to hell. Okay? When you die upon the, uh, walk upon this earth, you drop over dead, your body goes in the ground, and your spirit goes down there. Okay, we'll talk about that later. If you're saved, if you're trusted in Christ, you die, you drop dead, your body goes in the ground, and your spirit immediately goes to heaven to be with God because the spirit of God's in there, right? Now that place where the unsaved go to right now is called Hades, or that's the Greek term, the uh, Hebrew term is Sheol. It's Hades. Now, some people get all wound up. Oh, it's not Hades. It's called hell. Yeah, remember what I said? Hell just is a word we use for all these places. It's not specific. Okay. Um, 
Hades is the place where you will go until the day of judgment. It's kind of like if you went and robbed a bank or whatever or did some bad things out there, you would get caught by the police and you'd be put in jail until you're sentencing. Okay? A local jail until you're sentencing. Come up before the judge, you're sentenced, you go up to the big house. Okay? The local one is, uh, um, is uh, Hades. And the big house, the big one is Gehenna. And, and, and I shouldn't say it that way, and that just kind of takes away the severity of it. But there's a verse in uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations, listen to this, and to reserve the unjust until the day of judgment to be punished. If you die, say today, and you're unsaved, you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, your sins are not paid for, or they're paid for, they're not forgiven, because you won't accept Him, and the only thing that God accepts is Christ, uh, Christ's payment on the cross and His resurrection, your spirit will go into hell, uh, into Hades, and it will wait there until the day of judgment. Okay? Now in the Bible it tells us that the Lord Jesus, when He died, His body went in the tomb and His spirit went down to... Now it was, up until this point, up until the time of the, the, of the resurrection, there was um, two compartments in Hades. The, the, the portion of the damned, and then there was a great expanse or a gulf of some sort, and then over here was Abraham's bosom, which is paradise. Luke 16, uh, you can go read about it in Luke 16. The rich man died and he went to hell. And uh, Lazarus died and went to Abraham's bosom. And they, they could actually communicate across. The uh, man in hell says, send Lazarus for some water for me. And you go read about that. But when Jesus ascended up into heaven, he took paradise with him. Paradise now is right in the presence of God. It's not mm -hmm. down there anymore. Okay, So it's separate. Important to see that. So you have Gehenna, the lake of fire, and the final one. You have Hades is that um, you're reserved unto the day of judgment. And it just gets worse. And then there's Tartarus, or the bottomless pit, or uh, the pit or the abyss, where um, it's reserved for, we kind of, it looks like some of, the, some of the fallen angels and stuff, and there's other things down there that we just can't, I can't answer to that. Revelation chapter nine, Verse 1, the fifth trumpet is sounded, I think the fifth trumpet is sounded, and that bottomless pit is opened up. And out of it comes these locust kind of things. And then later on, there's all kinds of weird creature things come out to afflict the earth because it's in the time of God's wrath. But the Christian's not going to be there, okay? You're, all, you're not going to be there. We'll do that another day. But they come out of there. It's a horrible thing. And we know that the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 20, you have the final judgment. You have, we have, today we're waiting for the seventh, uh, 70th week of Daniel, the last seven years. And then there's the Antichrist and all that stuff. Then after that, there's going to be the 1000 millennium when Jesus reigns. And at right the end of that, there's going to be the white throne judgment, Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15. Jesus on his throne and all the dead, unsaved, are going to be resurrected and brought up and stand before Jesus and then judged according to their works. And the devil is going to be, um, oh, or I back, back up, I'm sorry. At the beginning of the millennium, the devil's placed in chains in the pit, in Tartarus. At the end of the millennium, he's going to be let out for a little while. 
but that's a whole other story. But you do have those three things there. You've got Gehenna, you've got Hades, and you've got Tartarus. And we say hell, and we use the word hell, and it usually uh, just could be for any one of them. Okay. At uh, Revelation chapter 20, um, the people are going to be judged, and they're, they've been brought up from Hades to stand before Jesus Christ, and he's going to judge them, and they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. And that's where the devil and his angels will go as well. So we see in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15, we see the judgment seat of Christ. We see the dead are raised up and brought before him, and the devil's brought before him too. And any that are found not written, makes me wonder who's all going to be there, uh, not written. God has books. The names are written down in the Lamb's Book of Life and so on and so forth. And their names not found written. I remember a fellow one time, it was a message, a great message. I remember one particular part about it. And he said, John saw this, Revelation chapter 20. You picture it. There's Christ on his throne, this huge throne, judging. And multitudes, multitudes of people are there before him. And he's judging each and every one of them. John saw the people. The guy says, did John see you? <laughs> did John see you there? Something to think about, eh? In uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 44 to 48, the Lord Jesus talks about, um, talks about going down to hell, going down to Hades. Well, actually, he's talking about um, Gehenna. And he talks, he says three times, where the worm dies not, where their worm dies not. That statement that he makes is a statement signifying the exclusion of the hope of restoration. The exclusion of the hope of restoration. That means that the punishment is eternal. And one fellow said, you should never preach on hell without a tear in your eye. And we should be sorrowful. It should make us shake. It should make us, should do something. And we see the people, most of the people you see around about us are going there. That's what it says. The many go through the, down the, the broad way of destruction, but few go into the, uh, uh, the, the way which leads to life. And Jesus says to the Pharisees, how can you escape because of their behavior, because of their words, because of their actions, because of their heart attitude towards God and so on and so forth. He says, how can you escape? How would you escape? Now we have in the book of Matthew, the Lord Jesus talked about hell in eight different verses. Just Matthew, we're just looking at right now. And in our Bible, every time he um, speaks on it, the word hell is there, okay? Now remember, I was told you it was a, just a kind of a generic word that we use. But if you look at the words, you'll see that only two of those eight times he spoke of Hades. The other six times he was speaking of Gehenna. Gehenna. Okay? I want to finish up today. Our time's done. Let me just quickly go through this then. Where is hell? Where is Hades? Where is that? We're going to see what the Bible says about it. And I'll just read the verses, just read them off to you. <clears throat> Excuse me. You might you write them down and look, look them up yourself later. In the Old Testament, here's some of the uh, references to where is hell? I remember we were doing a Bible study one time and a fellow was there. 
And I mentioned that the helm is down below. They said, it's, it's not. Yeah, it is. The Bible says so. And I'm surprised that he didn't know this. And I guess a lot of people don't know this. The helm is down into the ground. Okay? Did you remember? Did you ever see that thing um, years and years ago on YouTube? It well, may not even been called YouTube then. Uh, it, the story went that in Russia they were drilling down, they forgot, they went down, down, down through, then all of a sudden it broke through into a, like a cavern thing, they sent microphones down. And I had the tape of it somewhere. And whether it was true or not, but it sure was haunting. What you would hear, it says, they said they broke into hell. They dug down into hell and they recorded it. And you can hear multitudes of voices and languages and stuff, and people hollering and yelling out. It's real. Whether that was real or not, no, but it sure was spooky. Let's see what God says. In the Old Testament, Psalm uh, chapter 9, verse 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Turned into. Hey, you look at the nations around about us, you look at our countries today, they're moving away from God. What do you think is going to happen? God says they're going to be turned into hell. Amos 9, 2 says, though they dig into hell. Let me ask you a question. What do you dig into out there? You dig into the air, outer space? Where is it? You dig into the ground. If you can dig down far enough, though they dig into hell. Deuteronomy 32, 22 talks about the lowest hell, perhaps uh, uh, um, um, degrees of punishment, perhaps. I don't know. Psalm 55, 15, let them go down quick into hell. Psalm 63, 9, shall go into the lower parts of the earth. Okay, there it is. I didn't, I didn't write it, God did. Shall go into the lower parts of the earth. Numbers, uh, Numbers chapter 6 and verse 10, and a parallel passage with that is Numbers 16, 33. And the first one says, the earth opened her mouth, and 1633 says, they went down alive into the pit. And Isaiah 14, verse 9 says, Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. I was talking earlier about when you die, your body just automatically goes down. There. It's kind of like a, kind of like, not gravity, but you know, it's just an automatic thing. And hell makes room for you. You think about that, you know, if you're watching, you don't believe in Jesus Christ. You think about that, because it's going to come upon you someday if you don't get saved. Hell will move to meet you at your coming, at your expiry date. And those are Old Testament, but let's look at just a few New Testament verses that talk about where hell is. Uh, we're not talking about whether it's real or not. We know it's real. It says it in the scriptures here, okay? The reasons for it and such, and where it is, okay? In Philippians 2.10, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things on the earth, and of things in the earth. Okay? Or rather, under the earth. Okay? That means everybody will bow to Jesus Christ, even those that refuse or don't or can't or whatever, won't. Every knee shall bow of things under the earth. Ephesians 4, 9 says he also, talking about Jesus, we talked about earlier about how he went into the uh, um, Abraham's bosom, the paradise side, his spirit, and he preached across to, the, to those that died in Noah's time and such. You can read about that in the book of Peter. I forget if it's one or two. I think it's two. 
Second Peter two four, God's well, oh, Ephesians four nine, He also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. See, that's where you get some of the uh, some people that you've probably heard people say, "Well, Jesus went to hell." Well, he didn't go to the punishment side; he went to the paradise side. They get that mixed up; they don't understand that. But Second Peter two four says, "God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them." down to hell. It fits with this. We played, uh, uh, years ago, we played a tape of, a, of an old uh, reenactment, I don't know that's the word to use, a redoing of an old, old sermon by Jonathan Edwards called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. You might remember that. When he preached that, it was said that uh, in the church there, people were hanging on to the pews, they were hanging on to the poles and stuff. They were afraid. They were just so, so afraid. The fear of God came upon them. They were just hanging on lest they should slip and fall into hell. And what I get from it, what sticks in my mind from the thing is that every step you take in this life out there, every step you take, it's as if you're walking on thin, thin ice and you could break through at any moment mm -hmm. and go down to hell. Because you don't know when the day's going to be then when you're going to die. If you die unsaved, you will go there. You don't believe me, you don't believe the Bible, you don't believe in God, you will then because you will be there in a moment. Just automatically you'll be there. Every step you take is as if you were walking on thin ice and you could break through at any moment and descend and fall down into, into hell. Now, a week or so ago we talked about, and we read a thing off the bulletin, but a lot of people want to get a, they want to get their ticket to heaven so they don't just so they don't go to hell. I understand that, but not going to hell is not the reason. Mm -hmm. You need to be saved from your sins, right. not to be saved from hell. You will be, but it's your sins that have separated you from God. But if you don't get anything out of this today, you think about it. You walk along, walk around on on the earth, or you dig into it, whatever. Just down under there are the souls of those who are lost. How can you escape the damnation of hell? Let's pray. Our Father, we just thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for these things we can look at. We just pray you just would stir our hearts to stand for you and live for you, Lord Jesus. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Lord bless you. We'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Bye now.